Good morning. Good morning. As you hear, my name is Efren Arriaga. <clears throat> and uh, my asked me, but almost three weeks, he asked me, he said, can you preach on the 22nd? And I hesitated. I was like, well, let me think of a couple of days. Well, here I am. And uh, um, he works for me, he said. And one day, Griffin came to me and said, where's my dad? And I said, well, he's over there some corner uh, practicing his sermon. No, <laughs> no, just kidding. So um, my sermon was going to be based on perfection. It's still going to talk about perfection, but it's really broad. It's really, which is a Bible study. It's a life study, if you think about it, perfection, holiness. And um, not too long ago, I was at the shop, and I did something wrong. And I'm going to confess it here. And I was like, should I be here or should I not? That means, you know, I'm seeking perfection. I'm seeking holiness. Every time that an employee comes to me or a candidate comes to me and asks me, can I work with you? You know, I go through the whole interview and stuff. And I hire them and I said, well, we go through cars. We have a detailing shop. And we found all kind of valuables, guns, jewelry, money, tools. Please do not have sticky hands. Please be honest about it, you know. In other words, don't steal. I don't say that. So the only person I have not said that is to Mike. So I hope that he doesn't <laughs> disappoint me. So, but, you know, I try to tell my employees to be honest. And not too long ago, a customer came about and told me that he had a scratch. If I got it to buff it out, I did. I charged him. I don't remember what, how much I charged him. And my employee was just close by. And he said, hey, can you write the ticket for so much for the insurance? I didn't think about it. I should have think about it. I should have said no, but I said yes. I'm guilty. I should have said no. I'm guilty of fraud, if you want to talk it, or not to be honest. My employee was sitting down. I mean, he was looking at me. And when I said yes, I realized I did a, I did a terrible mistake. And I thought to myself, should I be doing this? Should I be preaching? It's a sin, whether we like it or not. And you can be judged about that, you know. So I was thinking about it, and um, we all commit sins. Paul said, I'm not perfect, but I'm in the path. I'm going there. That's my goal. He talks a lot about perfection. But we got to come back to that later. Um, John 8, 1 through 11. You all know that story very well. It's a very well-known story about the adulterous woman. 
they brought this woman and they tempt Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. What are you going to say about this? Now let's picture that. There was two crowds. The crowd that was coming with the Pharisees and the crowd that was with Jesus at the time. He was teaching. He, they put him on the spot. Now, we don't know if the Pharisees or the person that caught that woman on the act of adultery were there. Now, the law was very strict. Were you, if you have a friend, family, father, mother, sister, cousin, whatever, and he was caught on the, and you caught him on the act of adultery, you're going to go to the priest or the judge and said, my cousin, my sister, my dad was caught on adultery. I saw them. I'm a witness. You know what was going to happen. They were going to be stoned to death. That's a horrible way to die. Did I have to say something or did I keep it quiet? Because I know that person that I love was going to be put to death. We don't know if that person was there. But he said that he was caught. So there's a lot of people there. Some were just followers, just to be there for this spectacle, you know, for the entertainment, or just to catch a stone, to see how it feels to kill a person. There was instigators there. There was a whole thing going on. Well, Jesus didn't say anything. We read it. He started writing on the floor. We don't know what he wrote. Names, the law, uh, you know, the commandments. We don't know. And then he stood up and then said, Whatever is with, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. You know the story. And then he wrote again. And they left. <coughs> they, everybody left. And Jesus looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? Where are they at? Nowhere. Nobody condemns you? Okay. Well, I don't condemn. I, I'm not going to condemn you either. Maybe because Jesus wasn't, he was not witness to her sin. Or they were, he was teaching mercy. Wherever we're going to see it, he was teaching mercy. To be merciful. She was going to die a horrible death. She was going to. I mean, imagine that. We are on the same boat. We are going, if we're not, I mean, if we're dying sin, we're going to hell. Jesus is just going to save us from a horrible death. But what really got me is. That's okay. I don't condemn you. She said, go and sin no more. That's what it is. Sin no more. What it means to sin no more after you've been saved from a horrible death. He didn't give her instructions on not to sin or what not to sin. He's, the only thing he said, sin no more. And he, Jesus said it a couple times. He healed a, a sick person 
on Bethsida. Um, you know, the angel used to uh, come to the, uh, the well, stir it up every, every year, and whoever jumped to the water was healed. And this man was, he was sick for several years. Jesus asked him, you want to be healed? Well, I can't. I cannot lift myself to jump into the well at the time of the angel comes and stir the water so I can be healed. But Jesus healed him. And the story goes on. That's when, uh, it, the story goes on, and then he found the, the guy later. He said, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so nothing worse happens to you. And why he's telling this guy, sin no more? The same to the woman. Sin no more. You're being well. You're being cured. Sin no more. Or something worse is going to come to you. Um, Jesus talking, uh, spoke in the future with Nicodemus. Um, you need to be born of water. And the spirit. Nicodemus didn't get it. What is that? You'll see. When I'm in conversation went on, I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna lift up, be lift up like the serpent in the desert. Whoever lifts up their eyes is gonna be saved. Talking about his death, his resurrection, and he's dead on the cross, he's in the resurrection. And go on. But they didn't understand. The Bible is, being, is divided in two parts. The Old Testament, the New Testament. Okay. Um, the New Testament is divided on, into the Gospels, into the Acts or history, then the epistles, and then the prophecy. Okay. Um, let me pause and, and go back a little bit. Um, I was thinking about preaching about this too. And uh, when I was uh, thinking about the sermon, I said, what should I preach on? It seems like every pastor now on, you, you can go on the internet and YouTube, and it's a cliche. Sometimes sermons become a cliche. I guess you know what is a cliche. Uh, we can talk about the coming of Christ, the holiness, Prophecy, things like that. And I struggled with it. And I, I said, well, I guess I'm going to talk about perfection and some issues. But not the issues itself, but our attitude towards sin, our attitude towards sin. So let me continue on so I can, you know, uh, understand where I'm coming from. So the Bible is, is divided, you know, for, I mean, the New Testament is divided in four parts. Now, the Gospels. Well, let me talk about prophecy first. It's by the end of times, the things to come, revelation on the Old Testament. Acts is the history of the, the apostles. In Acts, we found how to evangelize. The process of becoming a Christian. The process of being baptized. The process of repentance. The process of receiving the Holy Spirit. That is Acts. 
It teaches how the apostles went out and preached. The gospel. The gospel teaches about the, uh, the bio biography of Jesus Christ, of who he is. Emmanuel, God incarnated. We believe in the epistles. The epistles were written for Christians, for churches, not for non-believers. We think that the gospel, the epistles were for non-believers. No, they were for Christians. And you know why? To teach us a holy life. How to live. How to think. How to act. How to behave. How to live a holy life. That's the gospel. They were not teaching for unbelievers. You read it as for the Corinthians, for the church of the Corinthians, for the Galatians. You know, the, the Peter talks about holiness a lot. Paul talks about perfection a lot. And so on and so forth. So we have to be not confused. The Gospels is to prove that Jesus is God and he came down as a form of a man. To believe in him. The faith that they had in Christ and the gospel is not the same faith that we have. Now, what I mean by that is those, they believe that he was the son of God. In their faith, we have the whole pictures. Now we believe that he is the son of God and he is resurrected. The apostles understand that when he resurrected. And his faith was even bigger and stronger. Because they believed that he was the son of God. But the whole faith, the whole, the whole picture, it was until he was resurrected. It was a transition. We have the whole picture now. The gospel proved that he is the son of God. And then the spread of the gospel says that yes, all the apostles saw he resurrected as a witness. We know. And the gospel tells us how to be. Um, like I said, this is going to sound like a cliche. Everyone here has a past. Some had a easy life in the past, or a harsh, a hard life in the past. Some of you live with no addictions with no abuse, you psychological, physical, sexual abuse. Some of you live a normal life. I mean, had normal families, went to church. Some of you or some of us or some, you know, I'm generalizing. It was the opposite. Hard life. With addictions. Substances or whatever kind of addictions there are out there. Um, abused. Um, 
broken families or no families at all. A dark past. I met a couple of young kids with their mothers practicing witchcraft. A couple of young kids with their, their parents are homosexuals and so on and so forth. You know, it's kind of a, a hard past. But we are here. Christ hath redeemed us. He brought peace to our life. We need to believe this. The appreciation of that peace might be a little bit different between you because of your past. I'm a son of a pastor. Griffin is a son of a pastor. It's not a hard life. We grew up in church. But the expectations of a son of a pastor is a lot on our shoulders because a lot of people are looking at us. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, we need, we need to meet some standards because we are the son of a pastor, minister, missionary. We need to behave this way, straight up. People are looking. Either look at the son of the pastor, oh, he's a really good guy, or, hmm, he's the worst of the worst. <laughs> but, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a beautiful passage for those who have been redeemed for a heavy burden. We all have passed. I'm going to share a couple of things, and I try not to um, be long, but a uh, couple of issues, a couple of things, and. Later on, I see what I'm coming from. I don't have an addiction, you know. But I can say openly that uh, I taste beer in the past when I was younger, and I like the flavor of it. You, you probably have an opinion on alcohol already. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't drink. That's a personal opinion, a personal decision. My story is, there are a couple of stories. Graduating from Johnson Bible College, two years later I met with some friends, and we went to the Billers, great pool. Most of the time those things, they sell beer. One of my friends, he was already drinking. He was Christian, he was graduated from Johnson College, Johnson Bible College. And in other words, he had too many, too many beers. He turned up to his wife and said, um, can you drive? I can't drive. I mean, you can see he couldn't drive. His wife couldn't uh, row a uh, stick ship. It was a stick ship. It was a truck. I turned around and I said, are you okay? And he went off on me. And I said, I can't believe you. You're so religious, uh, and you're, you know, you're judging me. You know, the fruit of the vine was made for us to enjoy. Most, Noah got drunk. Jesus turned wine and, uh, water into wine. He gave me all this speech. And he was finishing, and I said, are you done? Are you done? And looked at me. 
Yeah. Who is religious here? I said, all I said is, are you okay? Just like a regular friend. But I was going to offer to help to take you home or whatever. You are the one who brought the Bible here. Who's religious? Who is given excuses to drink? Everybody went silent. Because he went off. I mean, it was pretty much a bar. Everybody was listening. But I mean, here's my wife. He was with me. Another occasion. Now, it was all the way around. I worked on TRI staffing for nine years, staffing coordinator. We had a, a, a party. And um, it was an open bar of that hotel by the Rocket Center. I remember that way. And Angie and I dressed, Angie and I dressed up and uh, went. I was a mature Christian. I, I know that a beer doesn't, it's not a sin. It's not going to affect me. I asked for the beer. My coworker, they knew that I was the son of a pastor, that I didn't curse. That I went to church every Sunday, that I didn't drink. Saw me. As soon as I got that sip, he came over. I can't believe you're drinking. He turned around and went to tell everybody that was coworker. Ephraim is drinking, Ephraim is drinking. I felt terrible. I said, I failed as a Christian. I failed my Lord. And from now on, I said, you know what? Forget it. This is not good. And not because beer. you have your own decision. It's the action, what I did. It filled me feel terrible. Just for a wrong move, if you, if you want to call that. There's another, another occasion. Um, I hired this guy. I asked his, his wife. Um, she was a waiter on a restaurant and the Mexican restaurant. And do you know anyone? I asked her, do you know anyone that needs to work? Yes, my husband. Oh, really? Yeah. He's been looking for work for a while. He can't find work. Well, send it over. So he came over. As soon as he walked in, he had tattoos all over his face, all over his neck, arms. I said, okay. I didn't say anything. That, that was not my problem. So we talked, and I said, can you come Monday? He's like, I can on Monday. Well, I said, can in the morning. He said, I can come back after I visit my parole officer. I just got out of jail. I said, oh, man. But I didn't say anything. I didn't say that out loud. So all the tattoos that he had, they were, they were gang tattoos. And then later on, I was, okay, well, do what you have to do. And he came back, and he was very appreciative. He said, I'll be loyal to you. I'll be working. I'm here. He was looking for a job for the longest, but people didn't. And Molson is a small community. Uh, I guess tattoos was a, a thing, you know, person with tattoos on their face, two tears, the neck back here. It was an issue. And he came to me a couple times, and I said, I'm sorry. So why? I said, I know some people are hesitant to leave their cars here because they saw me all with my tattoos. I said, well, it'll be okay. You know, just 
You gain the trust. We're going to gain the trust. That's fine. It went on. Another occasion in Johnson Bible College, my soccer teammate, I didn't know the guy, he was complaining to another guy because he was reprimanded because he got a tattoo. Had it on the, on the shoulder, right? Of course, he had it to cover. I don't know what they do with the tattoos, you know, but uh, I can't believe they, they got mad at me because I got a tattoo and all that. And I found out later on that he was in a scholarship and they gave him $250 for travel expenses from, expenses from whatever he was going to Johnson. But he used those $250 to put himself a tattoo. The, the, the tattoo was not the problem. The problem is he was misusing the money that he was intended to. So it is, we had to, you know, measure Sometimes what, what we do with our actions, what, how we react to those issues. Um, if Angie can read, please, 1 Corinthians 8, 8 to 13. Let us be very truthful to a lot of issues. Very truthful, you know. He says, be careful with your freedom. We have freedom. We have freedom. He's not denying that, but be careful. Because you don't become a stumble block yourself. And Paul himself has said, if I'm going to be a stumble block, I'm not going to eat meat. He's, he's talking about meat. I'm not talking about alcohol or, or tattoos. He's talking about meat. But we can apply it to other issues. Because if you cause someone to stumble someone, and that's what I felt bad. My testimony when I drank that time, or my testimony in front of that guy when I made that decision, making them to stumble, he said, you sinned against Christ because they are belong to Christ. My employer, you know, not too long ago, he saw me do that, and I was talking to him we need to be honest. I wasn't honest. And I didn't think about it. And I'm here. And I thought, I need to pray. It's the same concept. I'm not putting any, any this is better, this is less, or this is more. It is the same. That's In Matthew 5, 48, um, it hurts when we sin. Therefore, you are to be perfect, 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said that on the Sermon on the Mount. And like I said, we can spread out, we can say a lot of things about perfection. We can see about the context, we can see about the roots of the word in Aramaic. And at a glance, this verse is really, really almost impossible. We're not perfect. We always say we're not perfect. Like I said, Peter and Paul, they act, they, they talk about holiness and perfection often in the epistles. They were talking to Christians. Someone said, and this is not political at all, the Sermon of the Mount, a passage so radical that is doubtful that our own defense department will survive its application. It's, you're talking about Jesus and his Sermon of the Mount. And you're rejecting that. To me, Almost it's a blasphemy. Was Jesus just talking in vain or empty words for us? I don't think so. Um, Second Timothy 3, 3 um, 16 and 17. All the scripture, the scripture is given by the Spirit of God and is Profitable for for doctrine, for reproof, for um, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So the man of the that the man of God might be perfect. Here, he said, the scriptures are given to you. To us, we might be true. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye might be blameless and harmless. We do things. Do it without, without complaining. So we be. So the decision that we make is for God, for Him, for His kingdom, for the fellow Christians, for us. First Peter 1 15 and 16. But uh, each that. But as he which had called you be holy, so be holy in all matters of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Um, 
2 Corinthians, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of our, fe of our, of our flesh, perfecting holiness. And there is, this is a passage very interesting, and it is not for the ladies, but, but it is for the ladies, but not in this way. Wives, be submissive to your own husband. I'm not going to talk about submission, but they later said, if they are disobedient to the word, they might be won by word, by your or their behavior. So if your husbands are disobedient to the word, they can be won by your behavior. That's very interesting and, and, and also beautiful. That's a lot. It's a big task. I'm not talking about the you know method, but I'm talking about your behavior. He said, "You can win your husband if they're disobedient, or the other way around if you want." So your wife can be one if they're disobedient by your behavior. Very interesting, and you know this one, James 4, 1 through, uh, 1 through 3. What is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? The things that fighting are going. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive, so that you might spend it in your own presence. That brings me back to my pocket key. Two was not an issue, they give the money for something else. And he expended on his own. See what I'm coming from? So, uh, the decision of having that tool, that's going to be I'm not talking about something else. So, we can talk about Peter issue, we can talk about Wall Street. Hiding, baptism. Peter wrote to the Corinthians because they were having this issue. He was harmed. As I can believe, you're already divided. You're telling, you're telling me you'll be baptized by this person, you were baptized by this person. They have problems with fornication, baptism, or adultery. They have problems with food. All these issues that he addressed. And he said, I'm ashamed that there is no wise man among you that they can pass judge or they can do judgment. They were suing each other, Christian and between Christians. They were bringing people from outside to solve their problem. That's what Paul was saying. He said, there is something going on at the beginning of chapter 5. There's a man that is having an affair with his stepmom. Mom. Not even unbelievers do that, he said. And you're tolerating this. Ah, the word tolerate. Maybe they wanted to be better than Christ or like Christ when he told the woman, you know, I'm going to forgive you. Because, because this, this is a, a, a capital sin. If you read the law, doing this, they were going to be stoned. 
but they was happening inside the church. They were not a stone, they were tolerated. Come on. You need to do something. And he talks about a lot of idolatry and all those issues. And it seems familiar now, these days, that we, we bring in people from outside to tell us, the church, what to do. Now we're talking about homosexuality, transgender, and all those issues, psychology, it's okay, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. No. We have to solve this problem here in church by the way of the Spirit, by reading the Bible, by reading the Bible. We, we, there's a homosexual, it's okay. It's okay to have homosexuals on the church. As long as they redeem themselves with Christ, yes. But if they don't, they can't tell us if we are susceptible or not. Sin is a sin. We can't change that. Jesus told us, I am the way. I am your redeemer. I am your savior. That's found in the gospel. He told us of that. He went and do all his work. I am the son. I'm still the redeemer. But what after that? What's that going to happen? He told the apostles, there's, gonna, there's someone who's coming after me. The Holy Spirit, all the apostles, all these things that I have taught you, he's going to remind you. He's going to remind you of all these things. Then you want to go out and speak. And that's what we have now. That's why he said, be perfect and be holy after your redeemed. After your salvation, after you've been washed, after you've been clean of all your burdens and whatever we have in the past, be holy. Keep holy. Be perfect. Keep on the path. And pointing out and pointing out that we found out all to be written for us. For Christians, it was for churches like this, for churches like in Hunter, etc., etc. I'm going to read the last Hebrews 12 14. Hebrews 12 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see. That's Hebrew 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord.